Welcome back to the Respect the Drive podcast. I'm Tedward, and you know, winter has come, which means a lot of the fun cars are getting put away. This means that we're not going to be out ripping on GT2 RSs or 458 Italias or McLaren 720Ss, all the goods that I've had so much fun with over the last few months. But that does mean winter snow fun in the E92 M3. Because honestly, I think that's probably brought more folks to my platform, to my channel than anything else, which is so odd to me. I I always find it really strange what resonates with large groups of people. I don't think I've ever been like a pop culture person. I'm not into pop music. I'm not really into pop movies. And then YouTube is exactly the same. Sometimes I think I'm driving God's gift to the world. I'm out there in in a, a Murcielago manual or some rare Ferrari or something, and and nobody cares. I mean, sure, it'll get a little bit of attention, but like the heavy hitters are sometimes just drifting around in the snow in a rear-wheel drive car, a fairly ordinary car, an E92 M3. I mean, it's not a rare thing. There's plenty of them out there. But, you know, maybe maybe I got to start driving some ordinary stuff. You can sound off in the comments of the YouTube channel and let me know what you think. But the good news is that I have a new MacBook Pro, which is not an advertisement for Apple. It's just a liberation for me because this means that I can actually go on the road. So this winter, I am hoping to get out to the West Coast, California, uh, do a little bit of road tripping, enjoy some cars in some warm weather, go back to the canyon, see our good friends up at Good Vibes Breakfast Club, Jay and Nicole Ryan, all of the goods. And by the way, Jay Ryan, his uh, his his Instagram got hacked. So do yourself a favor, go follow the real J Ryan. That's J, just the letter J Ryan one one one. He is the guy who runs the late night playset, which means that he literally has David Letterman's old set in his apartment. I've been on the show. It's absolutely incredible. It's an amazing setup. And he's also the guy who set up the Smoking Tire podcast studio. So he he knows how all this stuff works with the cameras and the mics and all that stuff. He's way more high budget than I am. But because I don't live in beautiful California where it's mostly dry and there's never salt on the roads... Uh, I got to put my cars away. So I've been promoting Garage 42 up in Woburn, Massachusetts, because it's been a great place to store my M5 and my 911, except they only could store about 40 cars until now. Garage 42 has just announced they have expanded. They're building out a pretty big facility that should increase their capacity by about 100 to 150 cars out in Acton, Massachusetts. Very excited. If you watch the Rolls Royce Phantom video, the walk around, the introduction to that video actually starts off at the new facility. It just wasn't time to announce yet, so I couldn't really talk about it. But yes, uh, get on that wait list if you are looking to store your car later in this season or, or early next season, because uh, that's the place to be. I, David does such a good job making a beautiful climate controlled and and just a healthy place to keep your cars. And as you know, my E92 M3 is the daily driver. That's the winter beater, kind of an odd choice for a winter beater. And I am getting a new car. So we're going to talk about that today. We're going to get a little personal. We start off with some opinions on Formula One. If you're not a Formula One fan or you just don't care to hear it, uh, you can skip forward. It's about a 15-minute segment, and, and Eddie and I kind of go off. We are on differing sides of the coin when it comes to Formula One fandom, and I think that makes for a good friendship. You've got to have someone to argue with. So here we go. Formula One, traumatic M3 ownership, and my next new car. Let's get into it.
for another consecutive episode. You're getting sick of him, but here he is, Eddie Siegel, your favorite front-wheel drive racing driver slash bullshit Max Verstappen fan. <laughs> Oh, my God. You went there already? I think we're going to start it with Formula O because I'm a new fan. I'm new to the sport. This is my first my first season with Formula One that I actually know what's going on. Like, I've watched races before, but this is really the first time that I've dug my heels in and been like, I'm going to learn, damn it. And I found myself with no serious, like, religious affiliations with any particular teams or drivers. I mean, I, I, I like a lot of mid-pack drivers, like... Um, I love Leclerc. I love uh, Norris, Gasly, George Russell. I'm so excited for him to come up to Mercedes next year. But I think when it comes down to the championship, I became a Lewis fan, which was not the case early on. And the reason I'm a Lewis fan is not because I'm a Mercedes fan. I actually, I'm not like a huge Toto fan, but um, I think the fact that he uses his uh, his voice and his influence and his success um as a way to make change or at least make statements. I mean, he's going to Saudi Arabia with a rainbow flag helmet. I mean, come on, man. This is a place where they would literally execute me for holding hands with, with a guy in, in the country. And, you know, he's running around like, like literally putting his voice out there. So I have so much respect. I cannot necessarily see Max Verstappen doing that. Um, And I always found Max to just be so immature. And he is because he's a baby. He's 24 years old, but um, just, he's not my guy. I respect him as a driver. I think he's way aggressive, but he's so fucking whiny all the time. So, uh, that's why Lewis is my dude. And I think he's a class act, but I think we got to talk about the call. Uh, and, and it really all came down to the end of the race because, um, you know, before we get into the end of the race, what, do you have any thoughts about the pass? You know, was it lap four or something like that, where there was a, an incident with Max lunging in and then Lewis goes off um, and, and maintains his lead. They left it. Uh, well, if the end, if the ending hadn't been the way it was, um, I think we all would have said that call was bullshit, right? We would have been focused on that first lap incident um, where Verstappen goes in the inside, his usual move, which is late break and cut it wide and basically box the other driver out. Yeah. Um, I thought that there again was inconsistency with the outcome of the issue, the incident. Um, in past they've, um, awarded the place back when, you know, that incident's happened before and now they're not doing it. I hear you. Um, there's no, yeah, there's no consistency. And I think that's been a huge problem with this season. But in particular in this race, I think that we can confidently say that even with or without that call, Lewis was the better driver for the yeah uh, for the race. I mean, he was he was he was pulling yeah. like twelve seconds on him, and it and Max was not reeling him back. He was not, and he was not reeling him back even after a tire change. Well, that goes down to the Mercedes. I don't know if it, I mean Lewis is a fantastic driver. But I don't think the Mercedes. That, so everything I've been reading and said, like. It doesn't sound like Mercedes had the edge on the Red Bull car this season like they have in the past. I feel like the Mercedes was sure it's a great car, but I don't I I I I don't buy the argument that his car was head over heels better than that Red Bull. 
at that track, I think that Mercedes has the edge. I mean, we watched um, them uh, side by side. We watched literal drag races between the two, and that Mercedes wasn't just walking away from it. So we, we, we're, we're, we can be confident that power was not an issue. And, you know, then it just comes down to suspension and arrow, right? So if, if they've tuned the car better, then, like, cheers to them. Yeah, I mean, I, the whole year... I felt like Red Bull had a good car up until a certain point, and then Mercedes gained some traction. They they obviously came out with some upgrade to the motor or to the chassis that gave them a significant boost in speed. Um, and, I mean, yes, Verstappen got the pole, but that's because he got a toe down the backstretch. Right. All right. So, um, But at the end of the race, I was just so disappointed with Formula One as a whole because I'm new to the sport, and... I like I liked the sport because it felt like there was so like hard and fast rules and this season especially this race just didn't feel like anything was adhered to. It felt like it was all willy-nilly and the fact that Mercedes stayed on their tires, they made decisions based on the fact that when that safety car came out, we are going to stay where we are. We're not going to change anything because they said Max is going to be back here. He's not going to get the pass last second. They're like, actually, you know what? Throw him up there. Does not let the rest of the field unlap, which I'm like, come on, man. You, you got to at least give yourself that if you're going to make a call. So that way you can say there's some consistent ground rule you're standing on. It just seems so absurd. And I really felt for Lewis at the end of this race. And I don't, I don't mean that because... Max didn't deserve a championship. I mean, every, you know, you, you could make this argument about so many other races where, oh, well, this happened in this race, which cost him points, you know. Uh, but in this particular race, on this particular day, I, I really, I really think they kind of robbed Lewis out of this one. I feel, I feel bad. I feel bad. Um, it was a hard thing to watch, but, you know, it's not to say Max doesn't deserve it because he absolutely does. It's just not that, not that way, not that race. I think... I think the the issue is lack of communication and lack of understanding. There's been no I, – I, how does that even happen? Like in what sport at the last minute do they change the rules and make up something as they go? And that's what I thought was going on. I mean I loved that Red Bull had the chance to win and that that's all good and dandy. But at the end of the day, I, I want to see a fair fight and I felt like – there was some weird trickery going on and Mercedes had the better car 99.9% of the day. They were ahead the entire race. Should they have gotten tires? Well, no, because they would have lost the spot and potentially Max could have driven away and they played it safe and Red Bull had nothing to lose. So they took the tires and with this crazy call, it was in their favor. Um, I think they really need to figure out a way to make sure the rule book is the same consistent and not have so much misinformation, lack of information. I mean, it and wasn't even, it was just yeah. chaos. It was chaos. Like there was no rhyme or reason. And I feel like, like how can a team strategize when the rules aren't actually rules? Like you strategize around the rule book and yet here you are like just making decisions on on pit stops tire changes and all this other stuff and and trying to figure out what to do 
and you just have to hope they're not after you. So I don't know. I, it was a big mess. And, and I, 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 as a new Formula One fan, I, I almost don't want to tell people that because they look at you like, oh, well, you're the reason this is the way it is. Because all you new Formula One fans are the reason why they're trying to make it so exciting and push these kind of crazy outcomes and stuff. But like, no, I don't, I don't want that. I, I frankly would have been happier with like a slightly more boring race. Because if all I had to do is explain that, um, you know, that pass and not giving the position back at the beginning of the race, that is easier to have a discussion about, especially when the rest of the race, like Max is just being bested. So I don't know. It's got to be weird. Um, And again, I'm not a huge Max fan. I just think he's very immature. Uh, when he doesn't win, he like kind of pout. Well, he doesn't kind of pout. Man, that fucking face. When he is not happy, he looks like such a fucking little boy. Just he stole my toy. You know, whenever Lewis beats him, he <laughs> looks like he just got his fucking football taken, and it's unbelievable. Um, he really does look like a little shit. Uh, so I don't know how he's dating this older, like thirty-something-year-old woman with a kid, because I feel like he's probably throwing more tantrums than the infant that he's helping oh to God. raise. Uh, yeah, um, this year has just been crazy from the beginning to the end and how it turned out, um, based on what's happened the last few weeks or few months, I'm kind of not surprised. We knew something was going to happen. I had no idea that it was going to be this ridiculous. It was crazy. FIA was the problem and not the drivers. I figured it was going to be a crash. Doesn't that drive you? I can't believe there was no crash. I'm so actually for for that. That's what I'm going to say. I'm like proud of Max because he, he could have crashed out Lewis and um, made it look like an accident and he would have won that way. But uh, for the record, he fucking finished out that race. So good job on them. Um, You know, I don't, I'm not that passionately angry about this, but it does bother me just because I'm like, this doesn't make any sense and 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 no one has explained it in a way that does make sense. No no one who agrees with the call has been able to give me enough reason to say like, "Oh, I could read the rule book and find that." No, it just it's just it was bizarre and 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 wavering and that's not the way sports are supposed to go. You you know, you've got to stick to your guns when you make a call. Even if it's the wrong call, you got to stick to the stick to the call. Um Anyway, so I'm looking forward to the next season. Uh, that should be fun. Good on Lewis for holding his head up high for the most part at the end of it. Um, he knows how to fucking lose. Oh, stand-up guy. Stand-up guy. I mean, he took it as gracefully as you anybody would, I think. In that, that was situation. a hard loss, man. That was a That's really a really hard, hard loss. loss. <laughs> and um, I, I think next year it's going to be interesting. They have all new cars. Um, and that kind of opens the you know it levels the field to a degree right if you know nobody has any of these cars really with any tests besides sim stuff um you might see teams that may have not had a chance last year on the podium agreed or yeah fighting for a podium what what's going to level the playing field in this next season like i don't totally understand i know they've got new cars but like what is it they're different caps on finances like what's going on here so there's caps on finances, which has been going on for the last year or so now. Um, but this year in particular, it's going to really um, start. So they're, they're capping the teams so they can't spend too much money. Um, I think also the cars themselves, um, there's less custom aerodynamic parts that they can put on. So just from that point of view, 
not many there's not going to be a huge significant aero advantage or what they're hoping anyways that the previous generation cars had i mean if you had the money for the best wind tunnel then you'd have a much better car aerodynamic wise for sure you've got more opportunity yeah so from that perspective i think that'll help and then also like i said the lack of testing i mean they have no data on these cars really um i mean they've seen it in a computer but that only tells you so much you know i mean we're already starting to see older drivers getting into these newer cars and struggling a bit. And the younger guys who have only raced in computers pretty much are getting used to it really quickly. So I think there's going to be a point, maybe it's not this year, but the next year where it's going to be the older drivers are going to start retiring, moving on, and the younger drivers are going to come in. Yeah, And I think it's going to happen it could happen quicker because, or accelerated because of this new vehicle. Yeah. So it's exciting. I'm, it's, I'm excited to, yeah. you know, I'm always learning. That's why I don't take a huge aggressive stance on anything with this because, like, I know I'm new. I know my place as a new fan, so I gotta, I gotta kind of keep my fucking mouth shut once in a while. But I had fun. <laughs> I just really enjoyed watching it, and I had a great time sharing it with my friends. And and it was. It was like for the first time, I'm like, oh, this is why people watch football with their friends. You know, like I, I could give a shit about football. I'll go to a game or whatever if someone's got tickets. But like I don't follow stuff like that. But with the motor racing, I finally figured it out. I'm like, oh, this is the thing. I get it now. I I, I used to say the same thing to you about football, NFL. Um, but now I absolutely love it. And it's just like formula one to a degree, you know, you're following there's too many people though. There's too many people in NFL. Like I don't have to follow that many people in formula one. <laughs> Once you're like, okay, these are the drivers, these are the teams. Yep. And, and then that's that. Uh, I think it's, I think it's fine. That but anyway, right, what, what do you got on your list today? I know you, you hold on before we stop. Okay. I just want to say one more thing. One more thing. Congratulations to Honda for winning a championship on their last year. Agreed. Um, they had a really hard time when they, went back into F1 with McLaren. They had a lot of hard years. They were the slowest. Uh, They went through like 12 engines one season. I mean, it was ridiculous. Um, And to go from that to winning a championship and winning like tons of podiums and races, I mean, it's just, it shows how much dedication they put into that engine, that power plant. And um, it, it's awesome, and it's just good to see that. So I agree. Good for them. I agree. And uh, it's a shame they're leaving the Formula One uh, driver, uh, like manufacturer. Right? They're just leaving completely. They're getting bought by Red Bull. So well, I mean that's okay though. All right. So let's first start off with because this will be a good segue. Let's start off with the M3 drama. All right. All right. So. It's time. It's time to retire the old girl. I mean, she's a a healthy, happy car for the most part. But for me, a person who I live pretty far away from everywhere I go. So anytime I get in my car to go to a photo shoot, drive a car, all the things, I mean, I'm putting 100 miles on that that day, you know, 80 to 100 miles. Um, And it's requiring things that a 100,000 mile car requires. and it's just it's just starting to add up to a point where I'm like, I can't have this much downtime with my daily driver. I need a daily driver that I can reliably trust and afford and not have to panic about things. But 
you know, I never panicked with this car in the past because everything that ever went wrong with it was very predictable and was very easy to diagnose. But this last like two months, man, really changed my tune on this car because I had electrical issues that drove me up a wall. I don't mind if a throttle actuator goes because you're like, well, I replace it and it works. I know what to do. Uh, I had the oil level sensor die on this car and I've had that happen before and I've replaced it and it worked 3000 miles later. I'm driving Ricky home from uh, uh, the 4th of July party up in New mm-hmm. Hampshire. I drop him off at the house. And I remember I remember this vividly because I, you know you have a finicky car when you go to drop someone off and you think, you know what, I'm going to leave it running. Nothing's wrong with it. So I think I'm just going to let it idle while we pull <laughs> his bags out of it. You know, like don't reset anything. It's good. So I, But then, you know, we were talking for a little while. I'm like, ah, I'm going to stop. I'm going to cut the engine because we're, we're going to be here for 20 minutes. So I cut the engine, go back out to the car, turn it on, immediately a check engine light. I'm like, what the fuck, man? And there it is. Oil level sensor can't be read. I checked the, you know, the codes. And I'm like, what? this doesn't make any sense. I just replaced this sensor. There's no way the sensor died again. So at this point, you know, you got to remember an oil level sensor is in the bottom of your oil pan. So if you're going to replace it, to replace it, you're putting a gaping hole in your oil pan like you're doing an oil change. And on some cars, not a huge deal. On this car, it's a nine liter oil pan and oh. and it's like 160 bucks for oil. So I'm like, I'm just going to wait. I know I put the right amount of oil in it. I'm going to run through the next like two or 3,000 miles and then I'll change it. So I do get FCP Euro to send me another sensor and I put the new one in, nothing changes. But what I'm noticing is that there's another code there, actually two other codes. One is the secondary air system math sensor which I have replaced, but maybe 30 or 40,000 miles ago. So like, you know, that one, I'm like, okay, that might die. Um, And then an alternator communication error, which I'm like dumbfounded because I'm thinking to myself, well, everyone I've ever heard of having that issue, if you go on a forum and say like, oh, I got this code, their their cars are all dead. You know, their headlights wear out the battery and then they die because the alternator is not charging, like it's broken. And I drove around like this for months, okay? And finally, I'm getting to a point where I'm like, I need an inspection sticker. In the state of Massachusetts, you have to get like a a safety and emissions uh, inspection sticker. And one of the rules is that if your car is less than 15 years old, you can absolutely not have a check engine light on. Like you cannot, like instant fail. Now my car is going to fail because I can't read the fucking oil level because BMW decided to make that a like prominent feature. So that way, if your oil level isn't being read, you can't, you, you get a check engine light. So great. Thank you, uh, Munich Bavarian engineers for giving me a car that doesn't have a dipstick because that was an, a better option. I mean, this is ridiculous. So anyway, I send the car down to Jake and I'm also getting a vibration. So now I've got all this shit going on. I've got, I've got, I've got a, a math sensor. I've got the alternator communication. I've got the oil level sensor and I've got a vibration that's like worrying me that I'm like, I don't know what's going on here. So I give it to Jake and Jake's like, okay, vibration, you need a new drive shaft. Um, the, the U joint is fucked. And, and like, this is just where you're at. I'm like, that's fair. Like a hundred thousand miles and me doing a bunch of track driving. And, and also remember the car's tuned, Bren tuning did the tune. So it's got like a GTS style uh, DCT tune. So I would assume that, that, that U joint's going to get worn out faster because every shift is harder 
than the car was ever designed to be, right? Like every shift yeah. is a little more aggressive. Um, so I'm like, sure, that's fine. Um, and he's like, you know, we can send it out to be rebuilt. It's pretty cheap. I'm like, great. So we send out the drive shaft to get rebuilt. And then they're trying to diagnose these electrical issues and it's just not going well. It's just not going well. And long, I'm going to, I'm going to make a very, very long story short. Um, it, it took a long time to figure out what was really going on. We tried the sensors, they replaced the math sensor. That was great. Um, and that worked immediately, but like this oil level thing just was not happening. Um, so that's when I'm kind of like looking at like, maybe it's a voltage regular, blah, blah, blah. They end up just replacing the alternator and it fixed it. So apparently the oil level sensor, the thermostat and the alternator are like, there's like this little trio of shit that they are very closely connected in the wiring diagrams. I haven't looked at it, but I've heard a lot of people tell me this and I'm like, okay, I believe you. Uh, and if, and if there's anything, any type of issue with communication from the alternator, even though it's charging your battery, even though it fucking functions, if it just decides, eh, I don't really want to tell you all the information that's going on. Cause by the way, I've data, <laughs> I data logged the fucking thing and everything was fine. It was working. Uh, and, and it just throws everything off and it all goes to shit. And so they replaced the alternator and it worked. Also, he replaced my brake pad wear sensors and reset those. Like it took like 10 times to reset the damn thing to get the little brake light to go off. But anyway, at the moment I have my car back and there are no lights on the car. There's no lights. But when the drive shaft came back from being rebuilt, I go out and I drive it and it still doesn't work it's still it's still vibrating at highway speeds and i'm like son of a bitch so i give it back to them they're like well it was rebalanced like it should be perfect i'm like yeah but it's not uh and then we you know we take a look underneath we're running the car on the lift i'm sure that's very very safe um and i'm feeling the diff while it's running at like 60 miles an hour i'm like there's a huge vibration back here so we pull it out we had thank god another shop had a a loner drive shaft from a totaled car that's still old and and definitely worn but balanced correctly so I'm on currently a loner drive shaft. And I don't even know. I don't even know what's going to happen to mine. But the reason this ties in with your Honda thing is because I am, I am done. I am done with the car. Um, I, I, it is going to either get traded or sold privately. Um, and, and part of the reason I wanted all this stuff sorted out was because if I was going to sell it privately, I'm not the guy who's going to sell a car that has problems. I want this thing to be sorted and I want it to be up to up to par and i don't want to sell it to some 19 year old kid who's like oh yeah yeah no that's fine i'll figure it i'll figure it. no 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 no. i want to give you a car that is exactly how i left it like how i want it to be and then i can sell a car i cannot sell someone a car that is not up to my own standards so anyway now it's up to my own standards and it'll be better when the new drive shaft comes in and we can actually really get it. but at this point even with the used one in there right now i would i would still sell the car but Long story short, I'm getting a 2022 Honda Civic Si, uh, and I'm very excited about this car. Um, and I know it sounds insane, and I still feel like it's insane. Like you're trading an M3 for a Civic, but this fucking car is awesome. I'm so psyched for a car that I can just commute in. It weighs nothing, so I'm gonna chuck this bitch into corners like a motherfucker. <laughs> I, I'm so excited. It's. Are you, it's it's the opposite. It's the polar opposite of the M3. It's light. It has a small displacement. It has a turbo. It's good on gas. Doesn't rev very it's, high. It's a it's a manual. It's a manual. I mean, it's it's literally you couldn't get any more different than what you're used to. And sometimes change can be good. And I think this is one of those instances. I think you've 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 done your time with the old German car thing. It's fun and all. 
but it gets old. It gets old having to take the car to the shop and, you know, you're, you're hanging out with your mechanic more than your significant other. Right? Oh, it's absolutely true. I, I, I walk in that shop like I've just walked into, like, the fucking playground, and I'm just like, what's going on, guys? How's it going? Blah, blah, blah. And all I'm thinking is, what the fuck is wrong with my car? But whatever, who cares? At least this is a good place with good people. And you know what I mean? You, you learn to make mm-hmm. it your family, but you're kind of like, wow, this is like being really close with your fucking bartender. Like, it's not a healthy relationship. Like, <laughs> No, no, not at all. I want to be not friends with Jake because we're running up to Mount Washington and filming his fucking run. I don't need to be friends with him because I'm crying on the phone being like, my fucking car is still doing this shit, you know? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, so, yeah. You know, it's it's a it's a. It, I'm gl- I'm glad I've been through all the stuff I've been with these guys, though. You know, they've been great. But I'm I'm very excited about my Honda. Um, and and I'm not a, I'm not one of these guys who's gonna. Um, everyone always wants to hide everything. They're like, oh, it's a big surprise. I'm not gonna tell you till it's in my shop until I've got it in my garage or whatever. I'm like, I don't know. Like, <laughs> what, what if so? If something goes wrong and the car doesn't come, like I'll be disappointed. But like, oh, that fucking guy lied to me. He told me he was getting a Civic. <laughs> oh boy, what an asshole. Um. The bright side of all this, though, was because the car was basically down for two months. Uh, first, it it meant I was driving my M5. So I got to put some miles on the M5, having been basically restored which mechanically, which was fantastic. Um, but then as like salt was starting to get put down, I'm like, I, I really don't want to drive this car anymore. Um, and my friend Chris, uh, who is one of the most incredibly insane people I know, he he goes um well yeah put the m5 away uh and and use use the use my cars except that his cars he's the one who owns the bentley azure he owns the 99 silver spur he owns a mulzan speed a g63 uh, a phantom a maybach 57 among like there's there's 15 cars right now in the collection so oh my he he's got this maybach 57 that is kind of a basket case uh electrically <laughs> And he's like, why? And he's funny too, because he he he's like, yeah, take the Maybach, do whatever, because like that car is thirty thousand miles on it. It's not terrible to put, you know, five to five hundred to a thousand miles on it. It's not like the Azure has four thousand miles on it. You put eight hundred miles on that car, and you're like, I've fucking devalued the car. Like it's not, yeah. you know. Yeah. Whereas the Maybach, it sounds ridiculous, but it's it's a more practical choice. V twelve twin turbo Mercedes, basically. So I drove that car for maybe. 10 to 12 days and it was hilarious because it has all these electrical faults that were recently fixed because we replaced these batteries and all this other stuff um but long story short i drove the phantom uh i drove the maybach and i drove the g63 and i just had a blast and and he he's he was such a godsend him and his wife um for for offering me these cars and even though i was very stressed out about my own car um, not necessarily even financially, but mostly because it just didn't have a good, clear answer for a long time of what was wrong with it. I don't care when things are wrong and you know what's wrong. I hate it when things are wrong and you just don't know. And 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 that's where we were. So in the meantime, you know, we we looked on the bright side, and uh, I got to I got to spend time with some really strange automobiles as my daily drivers, and I got to learn what it was really like to live with a Maybach, a Phantom, and a G wagon. So basically Floyd Mayweather. Well, so did you know the one that I drove, the the Mulzahn that I drove uh, uh, over the summer? That was Floyd Mayweather's car. 
<laughs> I had no idea. I, we, we found this out like a month after I drove it. Someone called me and was, Ben B calls me and he's like, did you, he goes, we just looked up the VIN. Guess who the owner was? I'm like, no. I'm like, that video would have done so much fucking better if I knew that. <laughs> oh my God. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. That's funny. But that's fine. So anyway, I, you know, bright side, that was good. Um, and now, you know, I've got the M3 for the winter. Uh, it looks like my Civic, which I swear to God, it's easier to get a GT3 touring and PTS shit color uh, than a Civic right now. Um, bananas, what it takes to get yourself a Civic. Um, but, you know, McGovern's, McGovern's helping me out and getting me the hookup on the SI. So I'm going to have my 2022 SI in March or April, it's looking like. So hopefully, hopefully on the earlier side, but I'm cool either way. Can you briefly, you don't have to obviously go into full detail, but can you briefly just tell us a little bit about the car buying experience in this day and age and how difficult it's been? It's insane. If you want a car, and I'm not talking about, oh, I'm going to go buy the new like Ferrari F8 or 812 GTS or whatever. I'm talking like you want an Accord. It is insane. It is so insane. And you're paying over sticker, like straight up. You have to really fight if you want to get things at MSRP. Um, and you're not, you know, it's not like getting like a limited type R where you're going to spend like 70 grand on a car that should be 45. Like, but you will, you know, I think most people comfortably spend three to 5,000 over sticker right now on cars that you used to be able to negotiate below MSRP. You used to be able to go into a dealer and take, you know, the brand new Pathfinder. Let's say it's $42,000. You could walk away for it with 39 or, you know, trade in your car for a specially good deal and you know the uh -huh. net works out in your favor it's just not the case right now um it's pretty wild so you know you've got a wheel and deal you've gotta you've gotta know what you want and you've gotta know where to concede because i'm telling you at this point like i got really lucky because it looks like i've been able to choose my color i wasn't even expecting that so um wow yeah, it's it's nuts um uh, so God bless if you are out there trying to buy yourself a normal ass car right now, because it's fucking hard and it's really hard to stomach. You know, it's one thing if you're buying like a Boxster Spider and you're going to pay 10 or 15 over um, because you know that you could sell it, turn around and sell it for 50 grand more on the day you bought it. So maybe, you pay, maybe you know, maybe the val maybe the price was higher, but the value's there. When you're talking about like a normal ass car, it's really hard to stomach paying five to 10 over on a car that's like 30 grand. Yeah. Imagine doing it on a used car. It's so bad. So, you know, it's so bad. Yeah. It's, it's so difficult. Bad. It's difficult. But this is also my first new car. So I'm like, of course, of course, I decide that I need a house and a car in like literally the worst possible economy ever. <laughs> Like I'm going to yeah, buy well, a million know, dollar it, house then it's going to be a piece of shit. I'm not buying a million dollar know, house. Someone, I don't have a million dollars for a house. Someone once told me it's never a good time to buy a car and it's never a good time to buy a house. And that was before the pandemic. Yeah. Yeah. They were like, oh shit, I guess it was a good time. <laughs> <laughs> exactly. Yeah. I mean, I think it's good if you're selling the market right yeah but it's the thing good. is if you're it's selling if, got... if you're selling you have to buy right exactly so so before you think oh well i can you know sell my car for what i paid for two years ago yeah but then you're screwed little buddy because guess what everything you want is 10 percent more uh-huh yeah exactly and you can't even find it exactly so good luck uh i know so... um uh, my friends at a porsche dealership 
um, this, so what's going on right now with the supply chain, because obviously like microchip shortage has been like the big thing, right? Uh, what they've started doing is they've started delivering cars to dealerships without certain functions. So they just <laughs> deliver the cars and they're not finished. And then like the techs have to go in and like install things. So like the cars will come and they, they will run, but there are things that don't work on the car like at all. Like, so the car can back off a truck, but it cannot like, like it, maybe the windows don't roll down or like weird things like don't function because they don't have certain computers in them. Um, and then they just wait once they get inventory, they're going to send them out and then they will be dealer installed. So that's how, that's how they're going about things, yeah, which I don't love. So I, I don't love. So you buy your GT three and then Timmy Turner down in uh good old garage. Number seven puts in your navigation system basically, and, yeah. and, and just by accidentally just scratches the shit out of the leather of the oh, dashboard man. as he, just puts it in your brand new car. Can you imagine? So that's where we're at. And you will say, you will just have to suck it up and say, thank you. Yeah. Cause at least you got one and then pay him 10 grand over. <laughs> uh. <laughs> <laughs> it sucks. Man. Uh, so yeah, I, I definitely just... feel for anybody buying a new car, but there are good cars happening. I'm really excited about the BRZ that was on my list, but I just, you know, one of the reasons I want the Civic isn't because it's the best of the best. It's because it's not. I want reasons to pick up the keys to my 911. I want reasons to pick up the keys to my M5. And if I buy a BRZ, it doesn't give me much reason to pick up the keys to the 911. Because um, that's, you know, that's a fun, sporty car as well. Uh, but at least having the M3 through the winter, like everybody, uh, like a lot of people came to my channel from winter snow videos with the M3. <laughs> And I'm like, yeah. I'm like, honestly, financially losing this car in the winter would suck. So I'm kind of glad I've got it. Yeah, you can always borrow the Maybach again. That's true. That's true. We got to drift the luxury liner, which, um, yeah, that one, that one just went in and uh, they, oh my God, the bills on that thing. Holy shit. I can't imagine having to like sustain a collection of, of Rolls Royces, Maybachs, Bentleys. It's just, it's outrageous. You go in and you get literally a $50,000 bill on a car that runs. Like if someone <laughs> so, sent me a 50, if Jake sent me a $50,000 bill, it's because I brought him a, a flipped M3 that the rod bearings went on as it was rolling. <laughs> like to me, that's what you, a fifty thousand dollars. You gave him bit. scraps. Yeah, yeah. You didn't even give him a car. You gave him bits. Yeah. If I or I said I would like you to build an M three, then he might. Then I'd give him fifty thousand dollars, and I would end up with one. Uh, so it's always wild when you have a functional vehicle that has some quirks and weird things, and then you still get a fifty thousand dollar bill out of it. It's insane. <laughs> it's fucking crazy. How? Speaking of bills, how much fuel did it cost to run that? my box i a couple days i it was bad um so you gotta remember i was driving i had a v12 twin turbo in the mybach i had a v12 na car in the phantom and then the worst of the bunch was that five and a half liter uh g63 by turbo because holy shit that thing is a brick it is the worst aerodynamic qualities of a vehicle ever it is a tank and uh so i did i managed 16 miles per gallon combined on the mybach I don't know what I managed on the Rolls Royce because it doesn't tell you. Um, and I didn't calculate. <laughs> doesn't want you to know. And I don't even want to know at that point. because that And that's pretty much a brick too. The Phantom does not have a sleek front end. It is a brick and it is large. Yeah. And you feel like you're, like it really, you sit in that car and you're like, I'm going to call it in. This thing is huge. Uh, and then the 
yeah, I, I only managed 13.5 combined out of the G63. And that was at 67 miles per hour. Like I wasn't even going 75. I was like peak, you know, performance for miles per gallon. Yeah. It's you couldn't good, have done any more. It was as good as I could do. It was literally so as good imagine as I could do. having that in the city is probably get like six. Oh, yeah, yeah. When I when I would drive to the highway, it would tell you like MPG since start. And until I got on a freeway and started doing like 65 miles an hour, it would be at four miles per gallon. Oh, but the Maybach, yeah. And they're all have big tanks too. So when you fill these things, you're like, you know, you're putting like 27, 28 gallons in these things. 28? Yeah, I'm pretty sure the Maybach is like a 30 gallon tank or something like that. That's like a long range fuel tank for a diesel truck it's crazy you could go pretty far once you get on the highway and you start running because that the, the my box pretty slippery that thing actually could i eked mm. out 18 and a half miles per gallon on that car um on my way to boston once but the second the second uh, you get off the highway it all goes away that's not bad 18 no 12 with no two tarbies. if you were really just running in that thing you could you could set it to like 75 80 and just crank at 17 miles per gallon you'd be fine Wow. Well, you know, it was probably nice to live like a baller or drive like a baller for a couple of weeks. But I think it, it, when you know that you have something that has severe electrical issues, like the screen being upside down and just weird things going on. So I learned a lot it, about it, these cars because what happens is there's two batteries. So you have a battery that does like the main functions of the car, which is like to power all of the coils and to power mm -hmm. like like actual engine functions right and then you have a battery that provides uh electricity for all of the um like luxury functions the luxury features uh -huh. and what happens is as that battery dies it will shut down things on a hierarchy so first things to go are like the refrigerator in the back and then the 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 curtains won't move on the uh, rear windows and then the sunroof won't close or open and then the other thing that's crazy is the key fob like you can't even lock and unlock the car from the key fob so like there i the first time i took the car i took it somewhere and i went to lock it and the car wouldn't lock I couldn't, and I couldn't get the trunk to open either because that's electric. So like all of these weird <laughs> things, and and if you want things to work, like if I wanted to get into the trunk, I had to actually like run the car, so that way the alternator was providing enough power to actually open the trunk. Like crazy shit happens, and you start to learn, like what's going on and and what shuts down when. But if you get a good highway run in, it'll charge the battery up enough to be able to run some certain things, and and it's just really wild. The Rolls Royces and Bentleys are very similar. The Phaetons the same way too. The way like they they shut down things in a hierarchy. I'm starting to think now, hearing all of these stories, that you're the the problem because every time you get inside a German car, electrical issues happen, <laughs> and usually it's battery related. I thought it alternators. was alternators. I thought it was so funny because he well, and Chris, Chris is the best because not only does he give me a Maybach, he calls me on my way home with it, and he goes, "Tom, I, I can't believe I shouldn't have given you the car." I'm like, "No, no, no, I'll bring it back." He goes, "No, no, no, no." I mean, because it might leave you stranded. I feel really bad, and just remember, if anything happens anywhere you are, just call me and I will show up with the wraith. 
and you can have that for as long as you need it. And I'll take the Maybach and tow it wherever it needs to go. And I'm like, Chris, this is the most insane loner experience I've ever had. Meanwhile, I keep telling people like, oh, why are you driving this Maybach? I'm like, oh, well, my car's at Wild Motorsports, so I'm driving this. So I think I accidentally convinced people that Jake has a loner Maybach 57 that he's giving people at Wild Motorsport. (laughs) That'd be a great loner. I was like, holy shit. Uh, but yeah, so, I mean, I couldn't have asked for better friends and situations for what was going on. Um, cause honestly All I would right. have taken a fucking Kia Rio. Honestly, it would have been better if I had a Kia Rio because there's nothing more stressful than having someone else's like expensive luxury liner. Cause you're like, I can't park it anywhere. I don't want like anyone to breathe on it wrong. You're trying to take care of it. You, you know, you drive, I drive so fucking cautiously with these things like the phantom was terrifying i felt like the maybach if that got totaled he would have probably thanked me because it would have saved him from having to put money into it um the phantom though that's like his baby and i i only kept that car for you saw that car oh yeah i only kept it for like two i kept it for like two or three days and i'm like get me out of this thing like i was too stressed out this car is too nice i'm like i gotta bring this thing back dude i i i that car just has this presence that the Maybach never could could never achieve. You know, you get you get next to the Rolls Royce, you know that this thing is absolutely beautiful, and it, it's expensive. The chassis it's like is a, bananas, and the ride quality—it's like it's so it's so upper level. It's so like just a totally different echelon than the Maybach. But the luxury features in the Maybach are objectively nicer. Like it's a nicer cabin for a passenger. Well, I mean, it's just like Korean cars and Japanese cars. I right? guess you're it's right. It's always like they always have all the tech, but you still want the S class. It's true. You don't want the the Genesis or whatever it's called now. I guess it's worth um, sacrificing the heated and cooled seats with a refrigerator in the back of the Maybach for coach doors with a, an umbrella that pops out of the door. I mean, my my whole I, I always wondered. I mean, who? I mean, I like to drive. So why the hell would I buy a car that you're supposed to be driven in? I guess, but I mean, yeah, I guess you're right. I mean, the Phantom, it's funny because the Phantom is the car you're supposed to be driven in, but it's the more fun car to drive, not because it handles better because the Maybach objectively is a more like, you know, chuck it into a corner and experience the the Um, Mercedes-ness. But the Phantom, it's just so different. Like there's nothing that drives like this. It really is a unique experience. And you know how I like weird shit. So the weirder, the better. Oh, yeah. I thought it was like on a truck chassis. It was so high off the ground. It looks I mean, like it's it. so big. It looks like it's it. so big. And it wasn't shared it's, with anything um, else. That chassis was its own thing. That's crazy. Like the Wraith yeah, was a really 7 funny. Series. Uh, we, we went to lunch and, uh, you know, David's there in his Ferrari. Tom's there in this Rolls Royce Phantom. And I show up in my Beater Infinity, like smoking itself <laughs> into the parking lot. And, you know, we're, we're talking for a while. I'm like, oh, let's go get food. And everybody looks at me and they're like, oh, can, can you drive? And I'm like, sure. I'm sure, like, I have I'm, no problem. Taking. I'm like, I'm not parking a Phantom in the center of Concord. We're going to, that thing's going to get hit. Some soccer mom in her new Audi is going to back into it. And I'm going to have a heart attack. Yeah, it was really funny. So that's the thing. It's funny. This is why I'm so excited about my Honda because I'm going to park it anywhere and I'm not going to give a shit. I mean, I'm still going to care about it, but like it still, I'm so excited to own a car that's like a sub $30,000 car that has a warranty that just runs and I have to do oil changes and it probably takes like 4.8 liters, you know? 
Yeah, I mean, it's going to be nice for you because you'll you'll be like, oh, man, I got to do breaks and it'll cost the same amount for all four. Then it probably costs one one front rotoring. So speaking of breaks, the reason one of the reasons I'm I I do like what you just said. That's very exciting to me, except that I'm also still very excited about the new type R because that's going to have the nice Brembos and the fun stuff that the current type R has, but probably upgraded and better. Um, what are you, are, are, you know, you're a type R time attack driver in your, in your, <laughs> your, your current car. What are you going to yeah. do? I mean, when this car comes out, are you going to jump on it? Is this, is this the next Eddie vehicle or what's, what's on your mind? Well, the pandemic's really changed my outlook on cars. Um, I need a new daily driver. Uh, there's no question about it. You've seen the car that I drive. It's yeah, a the Infinity is. That's um, no joke. Like we want to talk about like fucked up cars. Like that car is over. It's done. There's. I mean, your gas tank fell out. Yeah. Like that's when, not a that's not a euphemism. The gas tank fell out. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Partially, partially fell out. <laughs> partially, it didn't fully fall out, and I just kept going. Like it was. It, it was. What's hell that sound? Time. Yeah, I mean, I, I, it was the whole like charcoal canister, whatever that thing is, just dragging along. Can we just say that a, a gas tank can fall out of an Infinity and still not catch fire, but like a Lamborghini or a McLaren can't fucking park for ten minutes without lighting itself ablaze? So good, I, I good, just, good for Infinity. Yeah, it's an old car. Um, the reason I like it though is because it doesn't cost much to run. I mean, but now, now it's just dangerous. At this right. Point, so right. So what's next? But what? I'm. I'm holding out because everything's so fucking expensive. Oh yeah. So so the next car is I hope is a type R. But I'm going to learn from my last type R purchase. Uh I'm not buying the first year. Right. You had you had a, the transmission replaced, you had the clutch replaced, you had the flywheel replaced. Yeah, it just had weird issues. It had weird weird first year problems. Yeah. Uh, it had electrical issues, like the harness was, like there was a harness issue, there was a clutch and drivetrain issues and weird stuff, stuff that only a first year car would have. But it was all replaced under warranty. Yeah, no, I mean, it was great. I mean, you remember I drove it as my daily for quite some time yeah. before I started tracking it. Uh, and I loved it as a daily. It was really good as a daily. I mean, it's even probably better as a daily than as a on the track. Yeah. 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 Um, and I can only imagine this one is going to be even better. And that's not to say that I won't stop tracking the type R. I, I mean, I don't know what the, the future of that car is. I, I'm definitely doing it for another year or two for sure. As long as I don't bend it into a tree. But after that, I mean, maybe I'll move on to something more, you know, an actual car with a full cage and rear wheel drive and, and something a little bit more rowdy but for now it's the way it is it's not going anywhere i hear you um, i hear you but i i love the type r it was such a good car it was so comfortable it has so much room it's safe it's practical and it's ridiculously fun to drive on the street like on a back road and there's nothing and i still think this i mean obviously this is opinionated but there's nothing that comes close to the driving dynamics of that car for under $60,000. No, I think you're right. I think that's a fair assessment. I mean, you have to go up to, you know, new M3 or F80 M3 or an M2 or a Shelby or a ZL1 1LE or, or something that's 
in a different you know market no so. i think you have to go to m2 and even then i remember like the tr- the lap times between an m2 and a and a type r like weren't far off not far off no, enough to justify double the cost right um obviously it's you're you're chasing a driving experience but i'll tell you what i'll take the steering in that honda over an m2 any day they have the electric steering down they've been doing it since the freaking s2000 that's amazing like, so yeah i mean the inside i think had electric steering too yeah yeah but i'm excited i think you know we're starting to see some early spy shots of the car on the track and they're at suzuka ripping the shit out of it and it's pretty cool it's a lot more restrained than the 10th gen so if you're looking for that crazy you know uh ricer civic you know fuckboy civic with the huge wing i don't think this is going to be the one i mean it's going to have a big wing but it's going to be way more restrained I think that's fine. Um, I'm okay with it. I kind of di- I'm totally okay. People with are it. like, "Oh, it um, looks like an Audi." I'm like, "That's why I'm buying one." I, Honda does this, right? They It's weird. They have years where they make these crazy cars, you know, almost like futuristic stuff, like weird dashboards, weird looks and angles and designs. And then they realize that not many people are buying it because it's too out there. So then they go full restraint mode. And they make the next generation this very subtle, beige-looking car, you know, just bland. Nothing wrong with that by any means because if it's, you know, it's bland for a reason because people like it. But it doesn't have that sort of craziness that a lot of people like with Hondas. I don't, though. Um, Like, I I didn't like the 10th gen other than the Type R. I thought the Type R was fun because it was so out there. But, like, I didn't like the normal 10th gen Civic. I was like, this looks so stupid. And it looks immature. And it felt really plasticky. And this new car, this 11th gen, it feels so high quality in every aspect it's unbelievable i mean like cheap out on the back seats like they always do but everything on that dashboard the layout is so clean and ergonomic and simple it's got apple carplay you just plug in because we're not in canada and we don't get the wireless we don't get the heated seats we don't get the heated steering wheel blah 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 very annoying but that's okay um but you know i i really i just i really am into this thing and I'm so excited for like a Honda six speed in my life because it's been a long time. So good. There's not, there's not many transmissions that can come close to the the tactility and feel of a Honda transmission. So good. It's that it's like, it's like, it's like Porsche Honda. Like that's the one, two punch right there. And I mean, Porsche GT, I'm not even talking like Porsche seven speed. I'm talking like GT three. And then you get to Honda. That's how good it is. I mean, and the lemon gen's even better than what I had. I'm so factory, excited. So. Well, what else is on your list before we before we wrap? Before we wrap it up, the last thing I wanted to talk about was um, I wanted to hear your recommendations on if it's, you know, people are talking about what's the next, you know, uh, future classic, right? Okay. And you seem to be driving future classics to a lot of people. And I feel like you're getting to this point where you can really describe to people, you know, what you would recommend. Like, you know, I'm looking for an Italian car that is fun to drive, that is relatively inexpensive to run. There's no such thing as that. But you know what I'm saying? No, there are, though, because so, I mean, you can. All right. So I think I hear what you're saying. I think I think there's echelons. Right. So. I could answer that question because I think I think like the the Lancia market is really cool right now. 
I mean, sure, maybe a Delta Integrale might be a little out of reach, but a Fulvia, or mm-hmm. like there's a, a you can get you can get a, a manual four speed or a dogleg five speed. Um, those are cheap, like cheap, cheap. Like those are not expensive cars. It's a it's a it's a you know a funky thing. They sound incredible. You're not going to be going fast. But here's the thing I think about whenever we talk future classics. I like these cars because they aren't the fastest, because they aren't the best, because they are weird. And because a lot of them, because of the shittiness, like for example, an Aston, Mar- <laughs> an Aston Martin Vantage, right? I drove a 4.3 liter V8 Vantage the other day. It's got a single clutch. I think they called it a Touchtronic or something, um, you know, six speed manual. It's a torque tube that goes to a transaxle. And this thing is, a dog. I mean, like, holy shit. If you drove this in 2007, you'd be like, absolutely not. I'm not paying this much money for an ass for an, for a car with this transmission. But today now you can get these things for under 50 grand. Okay. Like a nice one for under 50 grand. And that transmission goes from being like the, the poor technology that doesn't compete with Ferrari to like, this thing's hilarious. I love it. Like you start to bond with this crap and and it's the same goes for like a Murcielago manual. Like E-Gear comes along in what, 2004, 2005. Um, and this is a big deal because now you can get flappy paddles. You can imitate the Formula One drivers that you're watching, even though obviously Lamborghini and Formula One are not a thing, but still you get the idea. Um, but it made those man because the take rate of the manuals was very low. So it goes to show you what people valued then versus what they value now because now a manual Murcielago is like insane it's like the great it's like god's greatest gift you get this incredible gated shifter with a 6.2 liter v12 and it's revs and sounds like all the things it's fantastic um those i mean obviously the prices of those types of cars show that i'm not you know ahead of the curve i mean somebody just bought for 515 grand on bring a trailer an 06 Murcielago manual 515. Those were like 130, like 140. I was going to say, those were 150. Okay, think about this. Like, So James uh, Stradman, back in the day, the thing that launched his career, his channel, he bought that orange Gallardo manual. And he, I think he bought that car for under 100 or right at 100, okay? And, you know, go try to find me a manual Gallardo for 100 grand right now. You're not going to find one. It doesn't exist. So... I think what people need to do if they want to get like a, you know, a future classic or something, what you need to do is you need to table all of the numbers. Okay. All the numbers go away. Don't worry about zero to sixties. Don't worry about horsepower. Worry about experience. And if you can find a car that makes you smile, that makes you giggle, that all you want to do is rev the nuts off of it and get to the next gear and then downshift it and do it again, or drive some like dog of a single clutch gearbox that just is so silly that you kind of laugh with your friends while you're driving it but it's still fun like those are the cars i mean an lfa does not have a good gearbox okay and guess what still worth eight hundred thousand dollars so those are the things you got to hunt for hunt for things that are kind of funny because again lfa not a fast car really it's really not a fast car i mean by today's standard it's not a fast car mm-hmm. go to a car show and if something makes your heart pound and you don't notice anyone else giving a second glance I think you just found the deal of the day. Yeah. No, you're absolutely right. When you and I go to car shows, we always look for like the oddball stuff. Aston Martin Lagonda, baby. Oh, (laughs) yes. CRT TVs. Is there anything, is there any words of wisdom you'd give to 
somebody um, that's looking to buy a luxurious German old car, even if it's an E90 M3 or E92. Oh, all right. So, yeah, I mean, for if you're talking like Maybach or Phantom or things like that, my my suggestion is make sure that if you buy a car for 50, expect to put 50 into it. Okay. Or a hundred expect to put a mm-hmm. hundred into it. Uh, and if you're looking at, you know, similarly with an M3 or a C63 or any of those types of like golden age NA German rivalry cars, make sure there's 10 grand sitting around. Like, like honestly, make sure you've got 10 grand that you can burn and not like, Oh, I bought a car. I have $40,000. I bought a car for 30 and I have 10 grand. Like, no, no, no. You need that 10 grand. That 10 grand saves your dog. If it breaks a leg. Okay. You need like another 10 grand. You need the 10 grand that you pretend doesn't exist and you don't give a shit about. Um, so just make sure you have 10 grand. I think that. (laughs) I think that's the lesson. <laughs> just just have 10 grand. Yeah, that's fine. You probably won't need all of it, but like you can get a lot done for five on an E92 M3. Five goes a long way. Five is throttle actuators, rod bearings, motor mounts, uh, you know, a bunch of bushings and an oil change. You know, like you're, you're probably okay in that department. So, um, but 10, 10 makes sure that when you get a warning light that you can't identify and your mechanic goes, eee. Uh, you're still going to be okay. That's my advice. That's great advice, Tom. Or just buy a fucking Honda. Buy a Honda. <laughs> Do what I did. Get rid of all the BMWs. Get rid of the problems. I, I, I think back to what you were saying. I mean, the driving experience is the same, if not better, on Hondas to a degree. Or, or you know, feeling-wise. I mean, obviously yeah. the car is probably not as good, but it gives me the same pleasure. So why would I choose the more expensive thing? Agreed. Agreed. All right. And that's why I buy Kirkland Vodka instead of Grey Goose. Let me tell you a story about Kirkland. This is the way to end it. Okay. I used to work in a factory that made Duracell battery labels. Okay. So oh, our, I want to hear this Our one. client was Duracell. So my job was to be, I was the process engineer for the printing process. So we made giant rolls of battery labels, like huge fucking rolls. Like if this dropped on you, you wouldn't even be seen as a human you would be a splattered thing on the floor i'd be a watch battery well we also made kirkland battery labels and wouldn't you know it if you went to the duracell factory to see them apply our product uh there wasn't much of a change between the batteries they put the duracell labels on and the kirkland ones so god i need to get sponsored by costco that's the stuff yeah i feel like kirkland tastes very similar to another expensive brand of vodka that might have an animal on it like a like a goose like a bird exactly (laughs) so i you know i i think that's the that's the deal buy a honda buy kirkland um this is the this is a very middle class podcast and that's it for today. I hope you enjoyed it. I hope it's just some mindless conversation to enjoy. We are your friends. I want you to feel like you're sitting down with us and having the conversation. I hope that you're yelling at your car or your earphones or whatever while you're listening to this. I hope you're in the gym on a treadmill saying, no, Lewis Hamilton sucks. Like, that's what I want to hear. That's what I'd like you to be doing because I want you to feel like you're sitting down and arguing with your friends. You don't have to agree with me. You don't have to agree with Eddie. 
You just have to have some fun with the conversation. That's all I ask. That's all I want. And I hope you enjoy your holiday. I'm still going to be back. I'm not, what am I talking about? I'm doing this show more than that. But if I don't see, if I don't, if I get lazy, if I don't see you, enjoy the holiday. Be safe out there. Leave trash control on if you're not comfortable with stuff. I can't even tell you how many comments I've gotten on my M3 drifting video where they're like, oh, I turned traction off and I just rolled my car, or I crashed my car into a ditch, or I just hit a curb and smashed up the wheels and now I need an alignment. Just, you know, drive to your abilities. That's what Respect the Drive is all about. Yes, you're going to go out and push a little bit of your boundaries in safe environments in a parking lot. Don't go hitting light poles. Don't go curbing your wheels. It's okay to spin out in the middle of nowhere. Don't try it in traffic. That's all I ask. Be safe. Put your headlights on. Daytime running lights aren't headlights. I could go on about this for an hour, but be safe. I'll see you. Don't forget to respect the drive.